salutations and welcome to another funky episode of Unfunky Self, a place where you can unfunk, talk freely and reset. How are you all? I've got to admit, this is really scary and really exciting because I am very new to this wonderful world of podcasting and it's going to open up all kinds of different things and conversations and hints and tips and it's just going to be a really great thing to do Um, and I think sharing is always caring to coin a phrase but I think mental health has been very much part of the discussion over the last 12 months particularly with Dr Alex being um, awarded a youth ambassador and there's been all kinds of programs on TV especially over the last 12 months about mental health so for me if you can share top tips and help our fellow humans, then we're able to help people along their journey. Now, with that in mind, today's guest is a husband. He's a son, a brother, a fur baby dad, a friend to many, many, many people. And that is testament, I think, to the kind of person who he is. He's one of the most funny, authentic, empathetic, awesome humans that I'm lucky enough to share the planet with. And he's one of my oldest, oldest friends. I would like to welcome today the glorious, the beautiful, the majestic Mr. Jonathan Benson. Lindsay Gove Jones. I should have married you rather than Jerry with that kind of introduction. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, it feels amazing to have you around and on board. And as my very first guest on podcast, I've been so nervous. I've been really I feel nervous. Very honoured to be here. Uh, No need to feel nervous. This is what you do day in and day out. But instead of talking about amazing airport hotels and car parking and LGBTQ plus issues, we're we're talking about unfunking yourself. I know. it It feels good to move what I love and adore onto a more of a digital platform, I must admit, because you know, it's part of my life that I've really missed over the last 12 months is being able to, you know, be on panel discussions, to be able to talk and host forums and everything. And I've really missed it. So I think having the chance to do it digitally has been awesome. Thanks for being we all here. Need, we all need a dose of Garvey Jones. So if <laughs> digitally is the only way we can get it for now, then it'll have to do. How are you anyway? Yes, I'm good. Thank you. Got uh, Freddie the dog sat round my feet. Uh, ready for a, another day of work after chatting with you. So in a good place, thanks. Oh, how that's awesome. Listen, how long have we been friends? I was trying to count back. Where Tell the listeners about where we met. Well, there's, there's a song. I was working as a waitress in a Pizza Express, not a cocktail bar, <laughs> um, as, a, as a waiter, one of my favourite jobs ever. Shout out to the Pizza Express crew. Um, and you were one of my customers, always sitting in the table at the time in the uh, smoking section, having a <laughs> uh, garlic bread dough balls, lasagna, Peroni. Uh, and... You can remember my order down to a tea. And I don't smoke anymore. That's long gone now. (laughs) Listeners, tip your waiting folks. Yes, that's how you are. That's That's very true. Um, And then we were in a bar in Canal Street in Manchester called Spirit, uh, no longer there. Um, And I was just like, oh, my God, there's the lesbians that we normally serve. And then the rest is kind of history. After that, we just became Bessies. Oh, gosh. You, You know, when I think about... Those heady days way back in, gosh, it was the early noughties, wasn't it, really? It was just after 
the year 2000 kind of that we met so we've been friends for a long long time yes I would say like um 16 or 17 years gosh aren't we done a lot half my life Lindsay (laughs) half my life and a bit more (laughs) Half your life and a little bit more. Um, Jonathan has very kindly agreed to do the podcast today because we do have quite a lot to talk about. He's one of the most interesting people that I'm lucky to have in my circle of friends. Um, More importantly, Jonathan, I'm, I'm really keen to share with the listeners how the last 12 months has gone for you. Um, And I know this is a topic very close to our hearts, but can you kind of go into a little bit of detail how the last 12 months has been for you and what impacted you the most? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think relative to what's going on in the world outside, I feel incredibly lucky, grateful, Mm -hmm. fortunate, insert whatever kind of adjective you like there. Um, You know, I'm very lucky to have an outdoor space. I have an amazing husband, family, friends. Uh, I I work for a tech company and they've just been like amazing, like so, so good. So some of those real like cornerstone pillar elements in life, I I really can't complain about anything and that's why I think it makes it even more challenging when you see some of the the really horrific things that have happened in the last year and the the trauma that people have experienced because of the pandemic and and other um kind of human rights issues that have have happened um but yeah so um I, I guess I, I'm I'm quite happy to talk about mental health Good. Um, for anyone for anyone listening um, who may find that uncomfortable maybe the next kind of five minutes might be something you want to skip ahead there won't be any talk of of uh, suicide or anything like that at, at all but if um, you know mental health and depression is something that that activates your kind of trauma memories then then perhaps just skip forwards to something a bit happier that we talk <laughs> about but um last summer Jerry and I were very lucky enough and um, one of our neighbors on our street uh, their dog uh, had a litter of puppies, unexpected, I, I hasten to add, um, and spurred on Do you want by... to tell our listeners about that? Because that's quite, it, it's funny, not funny, isn't it? You know, how you came about <laughs> getting Freddie was quite a thing. So Freddie's mum went to daycare and then four weeks later she came home and she was making a nest in her human's bedroom (laughs) and then the human was like um I think something's going on here went to the vets the vet was like yep there's four puppies in there oh my god uh battle stations (laughs) and then actually first of May last year uh Shadow that's Freddie's mum uh Shadow ended up having seven puppies not just four so um so yeah, but everything's good. All the dogs are, are well. We're in a WhatsApp group together called the Pups Forever Homes. F U R, obviously. Love a pun. <laughs> um, so yeah, and it was something that Jerry and I we'd we'd always use borrowmydoggy.com for a couple yep. of years. Um, and just really a, a dog hadn't fitted into our life enough to really commit to one. And I think Jerry, my husband, works kind of an hour and fifteen minutes away uh each way so that was a bit challenging I was kind of in a new role um but then the pandemic hit and we kind of thought I don't really think that working is going to go back to how it was in the office nine to five and it kind of just we had a really good support network in in you and your uh, wife Jenny uh, our neighbors on the street and friends so we just kind of thought the time's right and you know me I don't do anything by halves and there's no, you're a, you're a law or nothing guy you're you're like me you know if you want something and you're convicted in it you're gonna go straight ahead and and do what yep. makes you feel good yep and so you know read all the books read all the blogs got all the videos got all the kit um so you know we were I, I couldn't have been more prepared for the good the bad and the ugly you know I mm. knew 
picking up poo. I knew dogs. You did your research. Yeah, all, all of those things. And I think, you know, I am a really, really happy, enthusiastic, positive yeah. person. And yeah. I don't mind. I don't say that in like a, oh my God, look at me. I'm, I'm amazing. I say that like, that is just my personality type. I wake up in the morning and I am kind of like this. Um, as I get a bit older, I need a few extra minutes, but um, this is <laughs> roughly what I'm, I'm like of a morning. You start rotating your ankles at five o'clock just to study yourself to get out. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and it was really weird. So um, I took two weeks annual leave off off work so that we could really welcome Freddie to our, to our home, mm-hmm. make sure he got all of the attention and training that he needed. And as I kind of got into the second week of my annual leave, I started feeling like I guess funky but not as in the the groovy dance as in like out of kilter out of sorts yeah you were out of sync with yourself because you you knew yeah yeah Yeah. and you know I think I'm also pretty self-aware um and you know I knew okay we've just done literally seven nights in a row where he's just cried and gone mental that the dog is for a you know a number of nights so I was kind of aware of that but I just started for someone who normally I one of my worst qualities that I'm like a fixer and that yeah. I, find, I find it very difficult sometimes to sit and watch something go wrong or mm-hmm. you know if someone shares something with me I, mm-hmm. I want to try and help them and fix them and, and sometimes that's unsolicited and I you know as I say it's a, a thing I, I try and work on but I couldn't really get myself out of this like negative train of thoughts and I was like oh my god like I, I felt anxiety before so I have a a condition with my gallbladder and my pancreas and for like 10 years you know Lindsay I, I had to take you know eight to ten emodium a day to leave the house so I have experienced anxiety in the past in that's terms a special of... drink for our listeners it's um, <laughs> like a powdered drink that Jonathan had to drink uh, before every meal just yeah. so that he could kind of contain himself so to not speak. poo myself Lindsay <laughs> We've just got to be open with the listeners. Let's be open. Let's talk freely. That's what this is all about. For anyone listening, I have bile acid malabsorption, which is an issue with my gallbladder. And then I have pancreatic enzyme insufficiency. Anyway, by the by. But um, so I've experienced that anxiety before. And that was an anxiety that I could kind of control. Because if if I knew I was near a toilet or I took my medicine, I kind of knew that I could... I could fix it not fix it but manage it but this overwhelming feeling of like holy oh my god what have we literally done to our lives like this dog I I love him but like it's completely just changed everything and then I thought there's no way it's the dog making me feel like this because like I've prepped so much and I'm Mm. conscious now that I'm rambling but that was that really was how my thought process was going there was like like, um, a definite shift in your inner emotions was it was it something that kind of hit you really hard and you thought whoa this is not me this is outside my usual feelings of there's been a change in our lives like we've got a new puppy we're up every night I'm sleep deprived um it was something that was a definite shift it was something that was definitely different that you were feeling yeah and I mean it's really interesting now that afterwards looking back you know I can even laugh about how like loopy I was at the time and I I now know you know it it wasn't anything to do with Freddie Freddie was essentially the the catalyst that almost opened the floodgates from anxiety and worries about COVID not seeing my family work Mm. was pretty stressful I work as a as a trainer and we'd literally in the space of three weeks had to transform all of our courses from face to face to virtual and just a number of things that probably I'd been keeping inside and kind of solving on a one by one case by case basis and then 
Freddie came along like a sleep and it just kind of went and I think everything the day when exploded. my yeah yeah the day when um our neighbor over the over the road uh she had to literally like take me out of the house like covered in a blanket like I actually thought I was gonna go um you know in, insane or, or crazy um but very I think the one thing that was that difficult Lindsay was you know I called the like crisis hotline I called the mental health team in in Reading and saying you know what I'm about to tell you sounds really silly we've got a puppy and I'm feeling like this and every person that I spoke to said you sound like you're really really struggling this is not because of the puppy and it's totally fine and we're going to get your help but you know no one no there were no appointments I had to wait to be referred to this unit wait 10 days it was really difficult Lindsay to try and find like help in that moment other than I know the Samaritans do some amazing work but you know to try and find something to like fix me and to stop me feeling yeah I I suppose you're kind of sticking your hand up going can somebody just pull me up and get me out of this situation because I just need a a little bit of a a help here and a bit of support here what was one of the first things that you did because you said that you went over the road to one of your neighbors you know in that moment where you started to feel that panic rising and you thought, I, I, I literally can't cope with this. This is just going to come out of me. I'm just going to implode, explode. What was one mm. of the first things that you did? Um, I think at the time I thought that I didn't want Freddie to be in our house anymore and that he'd kind of like ruined my life. And it's so irrational to think that now anyone that follows me or him on Instagram will see that he lies in bed in the middle of Jerry and I. And, uh, you know, I couldn't love him anymore. But I think uh, Katie identified that, you know, this could be a thing that's just, it's not allowing me to understand why I was feeling so weird yeah so to try and remove me from the house for for a bit I'm and you know there are there are two neighbors Katie and someone are on our road and it's really interesting Lindsay because you know you Jenny uh one of my closest friends Claire uh one of my boyfriends Sean you know some of you guys I've known for pretty much you know my entire adult life yeah I almost felt like I couldn't keep talking about it to enough people. So I had to really pick like my mum, my dad, and then the two neighbours that, you know, physically are close to be able to support Jerry as well. Because, you know, there is a a whole issue there around supporting carers who who are are looking after people, whether it's a physical or or psychological reason. And, And I almost like cut those close friends off, not out of you know shame or embarrassment I think it was just like I honestly can't talk about this anymore like I, I mm. normally I wake up with 10 giver SHITs a day uh, <laughs> but you know at that point in my life I was waking up with maybe one or half a unit of give a damn a day um, and yeah so it I was, think it was as tricky. well it listening to you it's it's almost you just want to keep people close and immediate in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, for any of our listeners who have gone through something similar, it's almost like you don't you want to tell the world because you want the help, but you don't want to tell everybody because you just want to keep your circle and support circle small enough to deal with. Because, again, mm-hmm. it might feel that there's an extra pressure to kind of keep mm-hmm. telling everybody your updates. And the more people you tell the more concern you have and you you have more people worrying about you and then they're messaging you or they're texting you going are you all right how are you feeling today and it's almost like copy paste copy paste to everybody right I say that that's good then 
that is exactly how I felt. And, you know, I'm not speaking for anyone else, only for myself. Uh But what I found really, really difficult was people were meaning really well and saying, oh, you know, I I felt like this before. And in your head, you're thinking, no, you've never felt like this before. Because at the time, all you can think about is how you're feeling. And, oh, have you tried this? And have you tried mindfulness? Yes, I tried that like four weeks ago before I literally had a nervous breakdown and, you know, had to be medicated and sedated and all of those things. So it's, it's, I'm not saying to anyone that's listening, don't, don't offer help. But for me, one thing I found really difficult was people trying to fix me Mm. when actually I just wanted Mm. to hear about them. And, you know, one thing uh, a a close friend said to me is, you know, if someone tries to talk to you about it, just say, you know, thanks so much for asking about me. You know, I'm, I'm on the mend. I'm on my journey. I'd much rather hear what you've been doing right now. And that actually really worked. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of what I, I started doing. That's awesome. That's so good. So what what changed then for you? When did you start to get better? What was the process for you? Um, did you go and see your GP? Did you carry on talking to mental health people like the Samaritans or Mind? Um, what support did you get from Jerry and your friends? How did you start to not, I know mental health is a journey for everybody. I don't want to say get better because it's always a journey, right? But how did you start on the process to becoming where you are now? The first step when I was completely, you know, down in a hole was uh, to have some relaxation, sedation, medication from my GP. She was absolutely uh, amazing. I've never had a GP like right. like mine before. She instantly knew when when I saw her that there was something not not right with me, yeah. you know, different, and to kind of snap me out of that. And I just got myself into such a spiral. So I had a few days of um being calm, medically induced calmness. And, uh, you know, then I have no no issues with uh, antidepressants. And um, so started on a course of those. But um, I also think it's really important to, you know, deal with the issues or to try and understand what it was that put me in that place in the yeah. first place. Um, so I was dead lucky um, to be able to access through some private medical health care, some um, CBT counselling. Um, so oh, I was excellent. I was able to start that within like ten days, maybe, of starting the medical intervention from the doc from my GP. Um, I know, I know not everyone has that available to them, but even if I hadn't had that access to um private medical health care, you know, my my employer, we also have like an employee assistance uh-huh. hotline or employee yeah. assistance program, um, and I. I I don't know if people understand that you can actually get free counselling. And I use that word in a very, like, be cautious. My my experience is, you know, some people can be a counsellor with very little experience mm-hmm. or qualification mm-hmm. or um, exposure. Whereas if you, I, I think it's a very, very how do I say this in a in a way that's not disrespectful to anyone listening? I think it's just important to find someone that's right for you. Of so course. if you're if you're in a real place of difficulty, then you know don't be afraid to to say that um, to be able to get the the help you need. As yeah, quick as absolutely. Possible. I think what's really important for our listeners is to know that there are several organisations in the UK that can help with all kinds of mental health issues, problems to try and help you to get to a better place. Now, 
it, normally you find out what is good for you. You know, CBT was really good for me. I think you've got to be in a place where you're ready to embrace all that because when mm-hmm. the need becomes greater than the want, that's where change happens, yeah? And I think mm-hmm. it's good for listeners to know that there are so many different charities, so many different organisations out there from Samaritans to Mind to Youth Health um, and everything else that are all available and can signpost you online. Um, and also if you go to your GP and ask for help there, they will be able to signpost you if it's not your GP that you want to see. And I think it's worth bearing in mind exactly what you've just said. Counselling and therapy is not for everybody. Some people might want a life coach. Some people might want to go into counselling. You know, it, it it's not a one size fits all, I guess, is what we're saying is that mental health is so unique to the person that's experiencing it. It's just to know that there is help and support out there for you more than ever, I would say now, which is fantastic. That's great. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I think it's maybe in the blurb under the podcast, Lindsay, I can share some of the the things. I know I'm <laughs> I'm not at risk of being like, have you tried this? But <laughs> I'm not going to impose that on anyone. I will just share maybe in the blurb under the, uh, the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, that would be really helpful. And also I can add that into the Instagram grid as well, which link into mm-hmm. the podcast, which is awesome. So um, just to stay on mental health, because we have got so much to talk about, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking a little bit about um, LGBT journey, of course. And then when you went to live in Thailand, did you used to live in Thailand? <laughs> right. That's enough. Enough of that. We, <laughs> we'll tell you about that a little bit in a little bit more detail later on. But um, just so we can talk a little bit more about mental health and, and how that is. How are you preparing yourself for June 21? I kind of feel like this is a bit of a D-Day for everybody. It's a bit like Independence Day. It's Freedom Day. Or is it a day where we are feeling quite pressured into saying yes to a lot of social engagements? We feel pressure to organise restaurants, theatre tickets, seeing friends, seeing family, losing weight, learning a skill, playing guitar. All of a sudden, we are under pressure for the June 21st deadline where the world is going to open up. And I wondered how you felt with that. I think it's a very, very good thing to talk about. And I guess a segue from chatting about mental health Uh is I'm the heaviest I've ever been in my entire life right now. But Mm -hmm. you know what, Lindsay, I really don't care. Uh, At this point right now, I've had to focus on getting back to being my usual self, unfunky myself. Hashtag unfunky self. (laughs) Um, And and so right now for me, if I'm happy which I have been now for you know happy is a, a really banal word to use but anyway I've used it now um I've I've been you know okay now for six seven months which yeah. is which is great and if that if that's what I need to put all of my energy in then that's that's fine you you will know Lindsay that I have no qualms about declining social <laughs> social invites I'm like when I'm ready I will do what I want to do and I, you know of course, I would love nothing more to, to have a massive party with all my close friends and family mm. and celebrate being together. But, you know, I, I have a really keen interest in in science and, and biology and, and medicine. And for me, this this June 21st date as a personal opinion is, you mm. know, it's miles away yet. There are so many um, things we've got to, to achieve and get through to get to that. Yeah. Um, 
So no, I'm not one of those people that feels a pressure to, you know, have an amazing body ready for that weekend to whip my top off in the summer, which totally isn't my style anyway. But um, yeah, I, I don't feel any of that pressure, Lindsay. Maybe That's not what so you wanted good. to hear on no, a podcast, no, no, no. but I, just... I honestly don't. <laughs> I'm just really keen to understand different people's journeys because I recently did a Facebook Live a couple of weeks ago based on um, the government's revelation on the 22nd of February that they were to have a roadmap out of here and the fact that Mm -hmm. that roadmap was non-negotiable, they would never come back, they would never have Mm -hmm. another lockdown per se. And um, Mm -hmm. I said to people who were listening, have you got your own personal roadmap ready? Is that mm-hmm. is that a thing? You know, particularly if you've got small people with you in, in your circle, you know, how are you getting them ready for getting their own roadmap out of here? Because, you know, people keep using this thing of, you know, a new normal and the new world. And I just think there's going to be things that you want to carry forward. One of those things I want to carry forward is a one person, one trolley at the supermarket. I can't stand all these throngs of people in the supermarket when they're trying to reach over, get their bananas while I'm struggling to get me pears, you know? (laughs) No people, I really want that to carry on. But there will be certain things that some people want to carry on that they've picked up perhaps in the pandemic, like mindfulness, walking, or do you think that we've got short memories and that we'll revert back to what we used to do before, which perhaps is not not caring about yourself as much? Because self-care is something that I think we should all have as a priority. <laughs> well, my self-care has been wine and gin. <laughs> so has ours. <laughs> but um, no, some, some things that I'm really looking forward to. So um, when Jerry and I moved to uh, Reading, which is where we're, we're based now, um, you know, we were really keen to, to see what was there in our community. And, you know, yeah. we have got like our street is just the most amazing place ever. Um, you know, we've had street parties, we've had and um, we've got a brewery um, about 10 minutes walk away. So we did a beer and cheese event and um, we've had wine tasting. We've gone canoeing together. So like that element of community and being able to be close to the people mm. that are physically close to you in location you're living yeah. on the street I, I can't wait for that element um uh, so that's a, a habit not that's formed during lockdown I guess it's one that stopped because of COVID-19 sure. and I can't wait to to start up again so community for me because I, I you know I haven't lived back in Manchester where my my parents and my sister and my my friends are now for like eight nine years so yeah um, my community yeah. is my my chosen family down here of course it is and I think it's one thing we uh, Jenny and I have found very admirable about both of you that you managed to relocate to a completely different part of your normal surroundings like you didn't go back to Manchester you went to a completely different place and you've managed to form this very close knit community with your neighbours you know you know more about your neighbours now than than perhaps what I do here I think it's a fantastic thing to have because like you say your community is your friends they're your strength your support when you need them I'm so glad that that's happened for you it's just amazing yeah, I'm very lucky on our on our road now. Now a friend was then just a neighbour. Um, Donna, you know, she is so community minded, mm. and you know, putting our two heads together to get those initial 
um, events and activities going was such a, a catalyst in yeah you know people had people had connections of course they did I, I didn't make people be neighbors um, but we you know I, I think Don and I put together opportunities for people further up and down the street to to make connections and Donna has this amazing thing um, she's going to kill me for forgetting the name called like kids play street so it's where you close off small sections of a road and let kids play out in the road like you would have That's done in fantastic. the olden days yeah I mean you know there are obviously people marshalling so that cars aren't killing the children that that kind of thing well, people um, in high busy vests yeah exactly <laughs> that exactly so there, there's there's so many amazing stuff and and we also did the um the window decorating you the, did the yeah I remember window wonderland window um, wonderland oh no I think it's fantastic and also I think it goes without saying um just to conclude this first part about mental health is the strength support and love unconditionally that you found from your husband Jerry because Jerry has been with you for how many years Jerry now literally gonna make me cry. oh <laughs> darling it's okay we've got free um, Jerry and I have just had our sixth wedding anniversary and we will have been together for like 16 years I think Fantastic. Uh, coming up at the end of this year so um you know he he has just been amazing. I wouldn't have said the same thing last night when we were arguing over building the hammocks <laughs> in the garden. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, he he was just uh, amazing, and yeah, yeah. Words can't describe. You know, my mum, my my dad, um, anyone who's been a, a pivotal and you know important part of of mm. the last year. You know, I unconditionally say say thank you. And to, oh, well to anyone. So, yeah. I'm just I'm really proud of you and and to see you now in such strength and the way that you're being, you know, um I just think it's testament to the person, the commitment, the determination that you had to to get out of where you were. You know, your head was completely in a funk. It was overwhelmed with the changes that were happening in the world, in the workplace. You had a new dog. You had everything that kind What's of... Was it just about the dog, Lindsay? Can we get over the dog, <laughs> no, please? But, but a big adjustment. You know, when yeah, you haven't course, had a dog before, it's a big adjustment to have in your life. And I think yep. everything that can kind of undermine your security and safety in your thought processes the way that you've handled yourself with the love and support of those people around you is testament to the person who you are you know the will and the determination to want to get better and get yourself stronger so I applaud you for that and thank you so much for being open and honest which is quite you're, fantastic you're so speaking of Jerry and all things uh, yes. fantastic. It this does... is about me today, Lindsay. I know, to... darling. On, I know. Let's not make it about <laughs> Jerry. Although we'll do a separate one for Jerry. We can have our own. We can have our own. Don't worry, Jerry. Um, I think a, a topic very close to all of our hearts, and particularly because of how we met, is the LGBTQIAU plus community. There seems mm-hmm. to be more letters that get added on to the end of LGBT. You know, and we've now got a QIAU plus, yes. um, yeah. and people are like in the community. Are like what does the U stand for what what is the A stand for you know so I think um more letters are getting added but it's a very um wide spectrum topic to chat about but I'm particularly interested with your thoughts because you are a strong supporter within the company that you work with for example when it's LGBTQIA U plus history month you go to great lengths to 
engage and involve your teams. Will you tell us a little bit more about that and share with the listeners how you do it and what you do and what it means to you? Sure. Um, so, and you know, when we talk about um, acronyms to represent the communities, it's really challenging, isn't it, Linz? Because no. like for me, <laughs> I, I personally just say LGBTQ+. That's that's what that's what I use for the the plus to encompass and Everything. you know bring bring all the letters together. Um, but you know, if you're part of those communities, some people you know feel comfortable using the the Q word. Yeah. Um, that's a, a topic for another time when we've got longer to, <laughs> to talk about reclaiming the the key word. Um, but yeah, so so I um, work for Sage. Um, not oh. There we go. I dog, love dog barking. Thank you. Anything can happen at any given moment. We don't mind dogs barking, kettles boiling, doorbells sure. going. Not as in the scientific advisory group people to do with COVID, as in the uh, the 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 SaaS, the the software and cloud computing uh, company. And then we're really really lucky to have a, a number of colleague success networks. Um, so we have a colleague success network for uh, people of colour. We have one uh, for a women and gender alliance. Uh, and we also have Pride at Sage, which is the LGBTQ plus colleague mm-hmm. success network. And I think for me, there are a million reasons I could talk for another hour about um, <laughs> why I think colleague success networks are important. Yes, I get in this utopian world, we wouldn't need them because everyone would be treated differently. However, we are not in that utopian world Mm. um and you know some people feel incredibly marginalized and isolated if if you don't see people that look feel and have experienced things that are similar to you it's very difficult to to show empathy and sympathy Mm. i i think or to to feel it's very easy to feel othered if you've got people you know around you that that can't understand why you think see or or feel a certain way so we do tons of stuff. Um, we we've marched. What did in the you Reading do this Pride. year? Tell me about what. Oh no! In fact, I'm wondering, did you do much this year with COVID? Because a lot of people weren't in the office. If you combine last year and this year together, quite different. So everything we did was virtual. So I um I led the Trans Awareness Week events in November of last year. So we um for Microsoft Teams we got. Uh, one of my amazing colleagues, Joshua, he is so artistic. Um, he made these fantastic Teams backgrounds yeah. um, with our Pride at Sage logo and then people's pronouns. So that if you're meeting a colleague or a customer for the first time and, you know, um, they forget which pronouns you use, um, they're literally behind you on your Teams background. So we had that as initiative. We had an amazing um, question and answer session with one of our senior leaders and uh, a colleague who recently came out as trans. So that oh, was a really fabulous. amazing event um then for lgbtq plus history month recently um one of my other colleagues led those activities and we had um people around the business sharing stories of their lgbtq plus heroes um and probably the one that resonated the most out of all the stories that were shared was a a senior leader sharing about a family member because i think people instinctively went for someone famous or well-known but when this colleague shared about a family member that was their lgbtq plus hero it was it it really resonated with people that you know the majority of queer folk are you know living amongst as they are our friends they are our families our mums our dads our brothers and sisters so it it was really amazing to see people sharing the the fantastic things be they big or small that LGBTQ plus people around them have 
have achieved. And we're just organising Pride 21 now. Oh, I know. I think it's, I think the, this year is going to be quite epic because we will be allowed to mingle amongst our communities and allies. And I think that's important to regroup and reset the agenda and, and keep the, keep gender on the agenda and keep LGBTQ plus issues on the agenda. It's so important. And I think to be visual is very much part of that. So I'm really happy that Pride events have been reinstated across the UK this year. So Fab, tell us yeah. a bit more about that. And well, we're, we're going to still do everything virtually because I think even though um, some of our offices may be open for those uh -huh. that, that need to go back, we're, we're going to um, host everything virtually. Um, so it's not been fully confirmed yet, but essentially we will have um, a, an entertainment session. Wow. Uh, we'll have like a diversity and inclusion workshop slash quiz. Um, there's potentially some uh, work going on with an LGBTQ plus charity. And we have the a very lucky we we get five paid days a year off work um, paid by Sage to go and volunteer. Um, there's some amazing stuff. Last year, there was awesome. the, um, I was looking at pictures of animals from these um, motion trap cameras in like the Himalayas, and you have to say which animal it is to help with research. And then, and um, we do one called Missing Maps with the Red Cross, where. You look at satellite images and try and see where there are natural paths and roads that have never been mapped before. So should wow. there be a disaster in that area, um, the Red Cross or other humanitarian And this is all volunteer can... work through SAGE that they allow you to yeah, do. Yeah, SAGE Foundation. Gosh. Find it on LinkedIn. There's loads of stuff. It, it really is. <laughs> You'll have all our listeners wanting a job at SAGE at this rate. <laughs> they should. They definitely should. Um, what would be helpful to our listeners right now if they want to become involved with LGBTQIA plus issues um, mm -hmm. or if they want to become an ally? What would be your um, advice to them? If someone's listening and you're part of one of the LGBTQ plus communities, then I would say, same thing I say to myself, you know, learning is not just for allies. Learning is for people within the communities. There is still transphobia, biphobia, lesbophobia, homophobia within our own mm -hmm. communities. Um, and it's it's really important that, you know, I'm recently been learning about intersex folk and, you know, the, the medical procedures that are taken on intersex folk is really incredibly traumatic and it was something I, I knew nothing about until you know a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. when sparked my interest went and did some uh you know research online watched some youtubes found some intersex folk on um instagram and i think that that is the point about allyship as well Lindsay. for me anyway um allyship is not just being like oh yeah my best mate dan he's gay so i'm definitely not homophobic okay yeah it's, it's, it's you know when people say i'm not racist i've got a black friend yeah okay <laughs> it's it's that being an ally is the same as being anti-racist it's not okay to not be racist right we need to be anti-racism and same with allyship if you want to be a real ally course i'm really glad you come and march in the pride parade with me i'm really glad that you like my picture of my wedding with my husband online i get mm. it but what i'd much prefer is when you're sat in the staff room at work or you're down the pub and you hear someone using language that's not appropriate and offensive as long as it's safe 
you're calling that out and challenging those beliefs and behaviors yeah um that that to me is is what an ally would would do yeah they, they wouldn't just be there and paying lip service they'd be supporting and advocating that's tremendous thanks Jonathan for for anybody a mum or a dad or a sibling or a family member or a friend who um is discovering that people around them are gay for the first time like they've come out or they've just discovered um that their son daughter brother sister um is gay um what advice would you have for those people um I think if anyone watched It's a Sin, I know that I think 90% of it was brilliant and 10% I had um, a few questions about. But, um, you know, one of the main characters, his mom, I forget she was the disabled lady in the wheelchair. I forget his character's name, but, you know, that that relationship and support that she unequivocally gave him, uh, you know, that is the level of support that I wish all parents could give their uh, queer children um f- for me as a very camp openly cis gay man um you know I wouldn't appreciate someone saying to me oh it's fine we always knew you're always you know dressing up and it you know that's for me anyway this is again it's <laughs> it's not it's not a rule but to tell someone <laughs> telling someone thank you so much for sharing that really important thing with me like mm. it means so much that you've told me that and you know please know that this is private between us I won't Mm -hmm. share it until you ask me to is a far better thing to say than oh it's fine don't worry we knew all along because well if you knew all along why didn't we have a conversation about it to stop me feeling sick and anxious every day so again that's if you know wait for people to to come out to you we don't out people no um well people do get outed but when I say we, I mean the royal we. Hopefully, we don't out people, um, but you know, just just make sure that you are seen as an ally. And if those people who maybe haven't yet come out and shared that information with you, they're going to know that it's a safe space to to do so. It's so important, isn't it, that people are mm-hmm. able to feel safe and talk freely, and and I think that helps with the mental health around everything because I think there are some gay people or who identify on the spectrum of LGBTQIA who really don't know what to do and that means that they're suffering mentally because they feel pressured particularly in the pandemic we've heard um, of people having to go back into the closet because they've had to suffer in lockdown where they've had to be at home with their families or their friends but they're not out and that's created all kinds of problems I think so I think it's important to just be aware to listen to agree on what gets said and what doesn't get said etc and just be there for them and not oppose your opinions and project your opinions and assumptions on them for sure I think if anyone wants to read or or educate themselves anymore become even more of an ally you know the topic of coming out people will often say well you know you don't need to tell me this why do you always have to go on about being gay Actually, for for people, when they share about their gender identity or their gender expression or their sexuality, it's it's really every single time you do that, you're risking violence, you're risking Mm. abuse, you're risking ostracization, being ostracized. Let's use that word instead. Um, So, you know, why do people feel the need to have to come out? I don't care what goes on behind closed doors. 
who you are shouldn't have to exist only behind a closed door. So I, I know, I think I'm totally with you. If someone chooses to reveal to you that they have, you know, uh, a thing that's different about them to you, whether that be about race, gender, and um, poverty, whatever it is, just be really, really respectful and mindful that that has taken a lot of courage to to share yeah. with you. Absolutely, Jonathan. And I think it's about compassion as well, isn't it, to our Mm -hmm. fellow citizens and humans that we share the planet with. You know, we're lovers, not fighters. Come on, we know we we all want people to lead their most best fulfilling lives ever Mm -hmm. and have that love and not not judge. Don't judge people, Mm -hmm. you know, don't throw your assumptions on them. You know, everybody's got stuff that they need to be cracking on with oh that, that's amazing um jonathan what has had the biggest impact on you in the lgbt community or growing up as lgbt what has had the biggest impact on you i mean i was so lucky to to live you know in one of the mm. suburbs of south manchester and have canal street literally a, a metro link ride yeah. away <laughs> <laughs> um so that that played a really I know the scene uh, can be a really toxic and horrible place for some people. And it's often a very cis gay male oriented scene. Um, But I believe things get better and that there is more visibility. And if there is a desire and a need, you know, money talks. Um, But, you know, I I was very... um, represented there so you know I I met lots of my you know best and closest friends now so um I think just having that mixture as well of of friends from different backgrounds nationalities um all all sorts of things that's that was probably the best thing that I found about Canal Street is that it gave me exposure to things that I hadn't ever seen or, or experienced before yeah and kind of helped me understand that there is a, a world outside of, you know, a middle class suburb and an all boys Catholic grammar school. That's um, a subject for a different day, Jonathan. Yeah. And, Christian and, Brothers Catholic <laughs> grammar school, no less. Um, I think that very much leads me quite nicely talking about meeting people from different cultures and different backgrounds onto one of the most impactful and game changing sections of your life, which was mm-hmm. Upsticks moving halfway across the world to go and live in Thailand. Um, how long did you live in Thailand for? Yes, I did live in Thailand. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> um, just under four years or thereabouts. When did you first move there? Oh, my gosh. I don't know, Lindsay. Um, Was uh, it 2000? Start... It must have been about 2009. 10? I think yeah 2010 something around then I only know I'm yeah. only guessing that because I came to see both of you um in yes. 2014 and you had already established yourselves there and then you 2012. came back right okay let's go with 2012 okay cool um I just think that it's it's such an upheaval to move house anyway in the UK even I think that's such a big thing mm-hmm. to do when you're moving to a different country, if you're moving to France or to Spain, you can kind of get by on a menu or asking for directions or, you know, ordering something, some food or whatever. When you go to Thailand, 
the writing is different, the inflections, mm-hmm. the tonation, the way that things are said even, if you inflect mm-hmm. up or inflect down, that can have two totally different meanings. And that mm-hmm. transition, what what was that like? Tell me, tell our listeners, what was it like <laughs> moving to Thailand? I think the first six months were dead, dead exciting. It was essentially being like on a six-month holiday, but, uh-huh. you know, we're still working and busy Monday to Friday, nine till five. Um, I'm sure a topic you'll cover in a in a future podcast is privilege. Um, but, you yeah. know, we it really wasn't that difficult for us to move there. We moved there with uh, Jerry's employer. Um, so, you know, we had relocation support and someone helping uh-huh. us find a, a, a flat. So, you know compared to people that have to move for emergency security or other reasons, you know, we, we had it good. And I'm, I'm very aware of that. Um, but it was, you know, I love languages anyway. So you you talked about language. Um, one of the key things that I wanted to do was definitely learn how to speak as quick as possible. I think, you know, if you want to be able to even book a table at a restaurant or get a good deal on something in a market, you know, I've been very privileged as a white British Westerner that when I go to other countries on holiday, I'm the the stupid one, right? I'm the ignorant one that doesn't have a command of multiple languages. Um, And I didn't want to be that typical Westerner going to Thailand, you know, just saying, you know, the, the odd few phrases. I was going there to live for a number of years. So for me, it's so important to ingratiate yourself with the language and the culture. You can't, you can't, in my opinion, live somewhere without trying to learn the the language. No, absolutely. Um, it, was there yeah. was there anything that you were fearful of of moving to another country? How was that feeling for you? I think at first, Linz, I probably felt a bit scared mm. um, because you know, once I've now no having now lived there in Bangkok. I now know it's my favourite place in the entire world. Talking to friends, though, many people say, oh, my God, it's so dirty and noisy and smelly and disgusting. I couldn't wait to get to the islands. Well, actually, for me, the islands are a complete nightmare. You know, they're incredibly touristy. Yeah. Um, there are some lovely places. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But but for me, Bangkok, when you know where to go and where to eat and what to see and what to do, like, I can't think of anywhere that I'd much rather be right now. Um, in fact, Jerry and I keep talking about like, oh my God, should we go and look at jobs boards then? But then we realise we've now got Freddie and we're not putting him in quarantine for six months. So um, yeah, probably I was just scared, Lindsay, because of the the language, the difference uh, being, you know, corruption is everywhere in the UK, in Reading, wh- wherever, right? But Thailand does have it pretty bad. And I think there was always that element of, oh, my God, what happens if someone puts something in my pocket and then the police try sure. to you know, exploit me for yeah. money? So <laughs> I did quickly get over that because once you've bribed your first police officer out of necessity, <laughs> you kind of just, you know. Oh, my God. To... Right. Police, can you just explain to the listeners that, that what that was? And <laughs> Well, it, well, the the one time it happened, so I'd come off the highway. Yes, I drove in Thailand. I think I was a very good Thai driver, to be <laughs> honest. They actually drive on the same side of the road as the UK, so it wasn't that different. 
I came off the freeway and I turned left at traffic lights and then about four police motorbikes surrounded me and I was talking to the police officer and he's like, you're not allowed to turn left there. And I was like, uh, yeah, you are. There's no sign. He was like, there's a sign. I said, okay, let's walk back and look at it. And he like shut my car door and put me back in the car. And then he just put his hand out. And in time, there was an actual, no, true story. I almost pooed myself. Um, in time, there's an actual verb that the police use that means bribe me essentially oh, it actually wow. means roll roll as in roll up the money um so yeah we, i just had to pay him like maybe five pounds and then he went away but I, I don't know if it's the same now Lindsay. but you know what people don't realize is police officers in thailand often have to pay for their own cars for their own right. equipment for their own uniforms you know they are paid really really poorly yeah. um i'm not saying it's right it's totally wrong and i felt really bad for having prescribed to corruption however at that time when I was scared you did what you did into my car yeah I did what I did scary situation okay Mm -hmm. all right thank you for clearing that one up just in case (laughs) FYI full liability clause coming in there um what had the biggest impact on you when you came back I just remember a series of parties one for going away one while you were there well a series of ones while you were there because everybody came to see you whilst you were over there Um, and then when you came back but there must have been a period of reflection where you thought oh my god we lived in Thailand for all of this time what had the biggest impact on you by living in Thailand I mean I was very very lucky to meet a group of uh, blind and visually impaired uh, Thai people there is a a restaurant called Dine in the Dark in in Bangkok uh, at the time run by a really fantastic guy called Julian Um, and I actually went there as a as a customer and then started um, teaching English to the the guides that that worked at Dine in the Dark and and became really close friends with um, Mu in particular Varin Mm -hmm. Um, and that for me, you know, disability in the UK has millennia to go yet before we have, you know, equality and inclusion for um, disabled folk. And to be seeing someone who, and this is not coming from a place of pity, this is coming from a place of, oh my God, like I am not even like enough to, I couldn't do Mm. this. But, you know, mm. in, in the UK, at least there is access to a guide dog. The The pavements don't yeah. have massive holes in them that drop down into sewers. Uh, people, yes, there are some awkward moments, I'm sure, if you're blind or visually paired in the UK. But at least someone, I would hope, would help you. You know, in, in, in Thailand, I would often see some of my blind and visually impaired friends having the piss taken out of them, yeah. having people uh, look around them and even touch their belongings. Wow. Uh, when when they're there almost you know it's that word being othered again so and again this is not a thailand bashing thing I, or i, no, I no, love I, that country and and i also love my friends very much and again it's not coming from a place of pity but that made me think oh my god like how privileged we are to to mm. be in the uk even though the uk still got tons to go mm. um so so that was a really impactful moment, up moment. yeah yeah Gosh, wow. Um, If any of our listeners are thinking about living in another country, um, thinking about moving because of a job or just because they want to do that for a year or just, you know, anything like that, what would be the best piece of advice that you could give them? 
try and do a look-see visit before, so whether that's a holiday with a, a purpose and intent or whether it's just a whistle-stop couple-a-day tour, I would say try and go there and research it, join some message boards, but I wouldn't over-research it because you could over-complicate it and start second-guessing yeah. yourself. I think, you know, if it feels right, go for it. Definitely try and understand the cultural differences. Uh, you know, for, for Jerry was working in a, a business environment in Thailand and there are some real cultural and communicative differences yeah. <laughs> between the UK and Thailand we won't get into on this this podcast. Um, so, you know, that that was a big, like, oh my gosh, wow, this, you know, you physically have to change the way that you talk and communicate and, you know, you can very easily second guess yourself. So the cultural element, I would say, don't underestimate it just because you've watched a couple of TV shows, really (laughs) try and understand what's, what's going to happen. That's awesome. Thanks, JB. Um, As with every ending to uh, podcasts now, um, Mm -hmm. this will be familiar as we go forward, but you are the very first to have this. So I want to kind of wind up um, our hour together with a few things. So first of all, is there a book that you're reading or listening to or a podcast that you've listened to recently or a social media site that you could recommend to our listeners as your book of the month or social media to to follow that's inspirational is there anything that you would recommend to our listeners there is an amazing human that i follow on instagram so uh her name is blair imani b-l-a-i-r-i-m-a-n-i we'll put the deets in the uh the podcast blurb (laughs) um she's a black bi muslim educator and influencer and uh author some she does these things called smarties in seconds so she'll tackle like a diversity and inclusion issue in just 30 seconds sometimes a few more um and she uses language that's really inclusive very direct but not condescending or patronizing and for me I consider myself as relatively aware of DNI issues, but there's so much that I've learned wow. from her from Instagram. Her. Um, so, so that's that's definitely I'm going to look that up myself. That <laughs> yeah, yes, go and follow Blair, and she's also dead funny as well. She's of also course. really really funny. It's not all dead serious. And um, she's also just um, published a book about the migration of Black folks in America as well that I've just bought on um, Amazon. Um, and then in terms of a podcast. I really love, um, I originally started listening to Answer Me This, which is with two podcasters called uh, Ollie Mann and Helen Zaltzman. Um, but Ollie also does a podcast called The Week Unwrapped. So there's um, a zeitgeist section at the beginning where um, Ollie Peart, he's one of the, the team, will talk about something that's trending or he'll be given like a mission okay. to go and do. Then there's a middle section where Ollie will interview someone and like the stories that people share. They're not necessarily famous people, <laughs> but the, the stuff is just amazing and super inspirational. And then finishes oh, with, yeah, finishes with a, a section uh, hosted by Alex Fox. She's a, a sex and relationship um journalist and she'll be dealing with you know sticky and tricky issues um, and but it's all very (laughs) inclusive and and respectful so um yeah Blair Imani on Instagram for a bit of DNI education and then the modern man spelt with two n's it's not a uh you know a toxic masculinity podcast the modern man (laughs) uh uh as a podcast yep 
Well, we will put links to those or we'll reference those in the podcast blurb. So you can come back and just read the section of this podcast and what it's about and find those uh, recommendations that Jonathan's given us today right there. And I'll be sure to follow those myself. It's like I need an extra day to put in my day Mm -hmm. so I can go out and listen and and read up on all these people. Um, I think... Your time today, I am forever grateful. You are one of my most beautiful, majestic, gorgeous friends. I'm so lucky to share time with you. You really are a majestic human. Thank you so much for sharing with our listeners today things that you've gone through, things that have impacted you. You've managed to give us some hints and some tips that are very, very useful. And I can't thank you enough. You've just been an amazing guest to have as my very first guest. Thanks for making it easy. I was really nervous and I had nothing to be nervous No about. need to be. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And, you know, hopefully if you've made it through the last X amount of, of minutes, I haven't bored you uh, too much. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for having me, Lindsay. It's all right. You're bang on an hour. Yourself. So that was perfection. Hooray. Good luck with Unfunk Yourself. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. Um, well, it's it's always a pleasure to have our listeners around. Thank you for supporting Unfunk Yourself. You can find us on Instagram at Unfunk Yourself. And of course, here on the podcast, the website is coming soon. But please remember, this is always a safe space to talk freely, Unfunk and reset and please be kind to yourself and those around you and it's until next time ta-ta for now